Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, Jesus and the Serpent. There was Bedlam in the camp of Israel. Food and water were scarce, and the desert heat was unforgiving. But the Hebrews, who had already experienced the power and miraculous hand of God, had not turned to him with a request for help. On the contrary, they complained. They griped, they complained against God and against Moses. They said such things as, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, there is no water, and our soul loathes this disgusting food. Tempted by Satan to doubt God in the desert, they sinned and even wished that God had left them alone in Egypt. Satan, that old serpent, began begat snakes, little sins, who became great sins that devour the sinner. The tempter gave birth figuratively to sins. The people sinned with their attitudes of doubt and with their words of rebellion. As a result, God sent venomous snakes among them. The vipers invaded the camp and began to strike the people with their poisonous bite. Soon people began falling on the ground and writhing in agony as the poison coursed through their bodies and killed them. Hundreds and thousands died. They knew this was a punishment from the hand of God. Now they came to Moses with urgency. We have sinned when we spoke against Yahweh and against you. Pray that Yahweh would take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed. Then God gave him this remedy. Make a venomous snake and set it on a pole. And it shall happen that everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. The people, you see, had to look at the symbol of their sin and its consequence of death. If when they were bitten, they fixed their eyes upon the bronze servant, they live. When Nicodemus came to Jesus one night in Jerusalem early in his ministry, Jesus pointed to this incident in the history of Israel as a foreshadowing picture of his future action on behalf of sinners. Jesus had startled Nicodemus by telling him that he had to be born again, born from above. In answer to Nicodemus' exclaiming, how can this be? Jesus referred to this historical judgment on the sinful Hebrews, John 3.13. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is teaching that this actual event, this actual historical event that happened when Israel was en route to Canaan was a type, a foreshadowing of his death as a remedy for mankind in sin, in spiritual death with hell as their final destiny. By use of this imagery, Jesus is predicting his crucifixion on behalf of sinners. Since he goes on to assert God's gracious love for sinners, he gives the basis for God's gracious love in his incarnation and death on their behalf. This is the context for that famous verse that we all know, John 3.16. For God loved the world in this way. Your translation may read, so much. Or, for God so loved the world. But here's the meaning. For God 
loved the world in this way, in this manner. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Now consider with me the biblical connections that explain how this event in the history of Israel is a prophetic picture of the Messiah Jesus' work of redemption. Listen to the instruction that the Lord, Yahweh, gave to Moses. He said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole, a bronze snake, a metal snake. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. And so Moses made a bronze snake and he put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Now what's the meaning of this? Well, Deuteronomy twenty-one twenty-two can shed some light. Here's the meaning according to Moses' own law. If a man has committed a sin worthy of death and he is to be put to death and you are to hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him the same day. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. Don't defile your land which Yahweh your God gives you for an inheritance. Did you hear? If a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him the same day. Now this passage comes into play also when Jesus dies on the cross because the disciples want to have his body committed to them that very evening so that they could bury him. And the Jews acted in accordance with this command. Hear the prophecy of Isaiah, that great prophet of old. When he describes the atoning work of the Messiah in Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 4. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our suffering, yet we considered him plagued, struck by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought our peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone is turned to his own way, and Yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now Jesus takes this image of himself on the cross that's found in the account of Moses and the bronze serpent and on his way, actually, to the last few days of his ministry before he's crucified, he begins to be quite troubled as the cross looms in front of him. And this is what he says to his disciples. Now my soul is troubled, John 12. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But this is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it, and they said it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. But Jesus responded, 
This voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. That's John 12, 30 through 32. And then 34, then the crowd replied to him, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? You know the answer, according to Jesus. According to Jesus, the serpent in the wilderness represented the penalty for the sins of the people that they were justly experiencing. It points to his death on the cross under the curse that we have upon us where he makes the great exchange. Our sins and their punishment imputed and borne by him and his righteousness is the holy, perfect son imputed to us so that God can justly forgive us and grant us the gift of salvation in and through Jesus the Messiah. The divine remedy for our rebellion and our transgressions and sin is that the Word, the Son, became man, that he might live a sinless life under the law, perfectly keeping it, and then as the chosen sin-bearer, take to himself our sins. He fulfills the type of the snake on the pole. To look upon Christ as your sin-bearer, you must realize your sinfulness and sin and acknowledge it and turn from it to gaze upon Christ Jesus on the cross. Paul explains this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As the New Living Translation reads, For God made Christ, who never sinned, be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Hear the words of the prophet Isaiah 45, 22. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Look to Christ. Look to Christ on the cross, for there he has borne the sin of all who look to him in faith. And those who look shall live, their sins forgiven, eternal life granted. Look to Jesus Christ. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.